Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. Sports, entertainment, little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Hey, welcome in to Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting. So here we go. Before we get to the Raiders, uh, let's congratulate Mr. Hill here, uh, Larry. He was named the state's Nevada Sports Writer of the Year for 2022. Very, very uh, proud of him and happy for him. And uh, yeah, very, very give, give the golf clap here, the golf clap uh, for the Sports Writer of the Year. Uh, congratulations, buddy. Well, that seems unnecessary. What do you have, like 12 of them? So settle down. Okay. Okay. Let's let's calm down. Back it up. Uh, very happy for you. Very proud of you. Well-deserved. You've got about a million bylines in the paper uh, each day. And um, uh, you do a great job. So want everyone out there to know you want it. You will have something in the paper on Sunday on it with your first, first column. Uh, you're going to start writing a Sunday column. So stoked to read that as well. Um, before I want to get, you know, you wrote a story for tomorrow's paper on there, you know, what they might be looking for in the draft. Before we get to that, um, Derek Carr finally released a public statement this week, uh, thanking Raider Nation, um, uh, making a point that uh, the fire still burns inside, inside him to uh, go win a championship, win games, play. He's going to play for someone else. Obviously, it was kind of his goodbye to Raider Nation. I don't think either of us are surprised. Uh, at the part that he's going to play again and he still wants to play. I never really bought into if he wasn't going to play for the Raiders, who wasn't going to play at all. That doesn't really make sense on any level uh, with all the money on the table. And he's still, you know, at his age. What did you think of the, uh, what did you think of the statement um, that he, that he released? Yeah, I think first of all, we might have to start talking like, you know, in the, there's ways you designate online on social media. Like sometimes you put something in italic. Sometimes you, uh, and this is a, a young person thing. Ed. I don't know if you're up to date on this, but if you go alternating capital and lowercase letters, that means sarcastic. Okay. I thought, uh, all capitals letters were a little, a little cuckoo. Yeah. But if you go capital, lowercase, capital, lowercase, if you just alternate them, that's okay. sarcastic font. That means you're, uh, you're being sarcastic. And I think something we've we've echoed this statement about you know Derek Carr plays here or nowhere so many times. We've obviously been joking. Like he said that. I don't know that anybody ever bought into that. I don't know if anybody ever believed it. But now I'm seeing some Raiders fans online and, and some fans in general just saying, "Well, I thought he was going to retire if he wasn't here." And then uh, I even saw a media person say, "You know, I reported that he was going to play somewhere else if he was was traded or released from the Raiders." Yeah, nobody ever believed that was a real thing. We, no. we joked about that a hundred yes. times on this on this podcast yes. and, and media room in general. Nobody ever believed that. So this whole notion that he was going to leave. And by the way, he shouldn't walk away from football just because the Raiders no. are moving on from him. That's that's a preposterous notion. It was something that he said in a, in a moment, basically to just say, look, I'm committed to being here long-term. Um, nobody should hold him to that. And nobody should have thought that was serious. So um, anybody that's upset with him, that's silly. Um, it, it just never was going to happen. And it was, it was always a running joke that he was going to retire if the Raiders ever got rid of him. So let's get that part out of the way first. And so, yeah, it makes sense. He's still a youngish player. He's done a pretty good job of protecting his body at the one big injury. And 
I think since then, you know, part of the criticism of his game is that he's been a little bit, you know, shying away from contact, fades away in the pocket a little bit, doesn't want to use his legs as much uh, as a runner. Um, and I think that's a natural thing uh, after you have a major injury like he did. But he's done a very good job, I think, protecting his body, staying uh, relatively injury-free. He's got some back issues. He's He's got the leg issue that he had. Um, he's got a couple of things that, that are lingering, but for the most part, he's really healthy. So he should want to go somewhere else. He should think he has a lot left in the tank. He should want to go win somewhere. That's one thing he's never really done consistently in the NFL is win. So he might want to go do that somewhere else. Like there's a lot of things he still has to accomplish. So nobody should hold him to, I'm going to walk away from the game. But in terms of the moving on, I think, you know, there's, there's certainly two sides of the story of why he wasn't around the last couple of weeks. Uh, I happen to believe he left on his own and, and the team didn't tell him to walk away. I know, you know, some people will say the team just asked him to step away to avoid being a distraction. I think this was a Derek Carr decision uh, that he, he wanted to step away and not be a part of being a third string quarterback potentially for the last two games. And, and, you know, that's fine. And now he'll go on and move somewhere else. But, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of this is colored by how you felt about him before. If you were always a car person who uh, was going to defend him forever, you're probably going to be on his side. And if you, uh, you know, for a long time thought it was time to move on for Derek Carr, you're going to say, well, he was being spoiled and, you know, kind of whiny about this, but uh, it's all in the, it's all in the eye of the beholder. The truth is somewhere in between. And um, I think it's a good time for these, you know, these two parties to mutually split ways. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on all of that. And I, you and I never believed that he wouldn't play anywhere else. And like I said, I'll, I'll uh, double down on what you said in terms of anyone out there who holds it against them is, is absolutely silly. Uh, guys say things when they're on certain teams, when they love their team, they're on, um, you know, it's kind of an emotional statement to say what he did, but I'll say it again, given his age, given that, you know, relatively his body's in good shape, uh, the money that he would leave on the table. I mean, you know, everyone says, well, he's got a lot of money. Well, you know, he has a family um, and he does have a lot of money, but there's a fortune on the table. And I don't think anyone out there would hold it against him if, you know, the reason being that he still has the fire burning. But also you're not going to walk away from that much money. I don't think I don't know anyone who would at his age um, to walk away from that. So yeah. let, let me and ask you this. By the way, that that also gets into what's going to happen in, with him and, and where he's going to go. And I've been really, really fascinated by some of the opinions on whether he gets traded, whether it gets cut, what happens here. And there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, he has a no trade clause. He can block any trade. Right, right. He, he, he shouldn't help the Raiders out. He should make them cut him. And I would respond and say, yeah, he shouldn't help the Raiders out. There's no reason for him to do any favors for the Raiders. But what about for himself? I mean, that's the, that's the bigger yeah. question. If he gets traded and locked into this contract for at least next year and potentially for three more years if a team wants to keep him, which would be like $120 million over three years, he should want to get into that contract. So he should want to work with them to get traded somewhere so he can be uh, on this deal instead of them cutting him, him signing a deal on the open market. Does anybody believe he's getting $40 million on the open market? I don't. No, I don't. And and you're exactly right. Um, if he, if they find a place that he's interested in, his family, you know, would want to move to, um, it'd be a good fit for him to try to win this nonsense people say that, you know, oh, you got the no trade, you should use it. That's a bunch of that, that that's crazy. That that that's absolutely crazy. Now, if they come to him with a couple offers from teams he just doesn't want to go to or doesn't feel he can be successful at, or his wife says that's not where we're moving or that's not where we're going, I think that's a completely different issue. But if they but if there are teams out there willing to give up something, some assets for him, 
and the Raiders deem them enough. And uh, let's just put out a team. Um, I don't know. Let's put out Indianapolis as a team. And, you know, he could go there and start right away and think maybe, you know, depending on who the coach is or, you know, that he could win right away. Why would you block the trade if everything else is in line for you? And then and that money, it makes absolutely no sense to do that. No. And again, I, the, the notion of don't do the Raiders any favors, make them cut you that that's fine. I get that part of it, but it's not about doing the Raiders a favor. It's about doing yourself a favor by getting into that contract and getting it and getting the money out of it. I mean, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Cause you're right. If, if you block a trade, say to whoever, say you block a trade to Indianapolis cause you don't want to go there. That's fine. They make make them cut you and then say, Oh, I'd rather go play with new Orleans. Let's say that's the, the destination. New Orleans is not going to step up and offer you 40 million guarantee. They're going to no. say, how about two years, you know, two years, 20 a season, uh, two yeah. years, 15 a season, something like that. So um, th- that that would not, it would not be doing the Raiders a favor by doing that. It would be doing yourself a favor by making sure somebody trades for you and takes on that contract. I personally don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to have to cut him because I don't think there's going to be any offers out there, but um I, I do think uh, if there is a trade, he should work with the Raiders to try to make that happen. And then the other part of that is that deadline of three days after the Super Bowl, it does complicate things a lot because obviously if the Raiders locked into a deal, they would have to have the team stick by it for a month and not back out of it, which they'd perfectly be able to do. Uh, you'd have to trust that a team is going to stick with that contract, uh, stick with that deal in place for a month. Uh, for those that haven't been following the, the the deadline for him to get the guaranteed contract is a, a more than a month before the deadline or the, the starting date that you can make a trade. So they'd have to agree to a trade, have a team say, yes, go ahead and guarantee that contract and then trust us for like five weeks that we're actually going to make the trade when we're able to. Um, and if not, then the Raiders are stuck with that contract, which is the worst case scenario, I think for everyone. So, I've heard a lot of discussion about would Derek Carr extend the deadline for his contract to kick in. And again, um, you know, people said he shouldn't do that for them. And that's true. But if a trade is in place, he should absolutely agree to say, sure. all right, we'll sure. extend it now uh, that yeah. the trade is in place. We'll extend it and we'll we'll let that go to to you know cover the risk that you guys have. Because, again, he wants to get locked into that contract. So, yeah, he wants um, that contract. He doesn't want to hit the open market. Yeah. So just don't look at it as he'd be doing the Raiders a favor. It'd be it'd be doing himself a favor to make sure he gets that contract. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $100 on your first deposit. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable, 
and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. Uh, we've talked about this before, but we'll bring him up again before we talk about the draft and, and what you wrote for the paper. Um, Josh Jacobs uh, says if it makes sense for him, he'd like to come back. Um, there's a tag. There's an ability to work out a, you know, a multi-year deal. Um, I still think that ultimately they're going to franchise tag him. I might be wrong there. They might go like a two-year deal. So a three-year deal, two of it guaranteed, you know, how much guaranteed 15 to 20 million, whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I think he'd probably want the security of a, a multi-year deal, depending on, you know, the, the, the money. Um, what, what is your, what does your sense tell you that you think they're going to do with him or, you know, there's always this, would they walk away from Josh Jacobs and play the new England route of, you know what, we just don't pay that. We don't pay running backs that much money. Yeah. I think that was the plan. I think the plan was to kind of run him into the ground this year and, and let him walk away uh, after the season. And I think that was, that was how they looked at this and they said, running backs don't matter. And, you know, I'm sure when they do re-sign him, because I think they will, that there'll be this, Hey, this was the plan all along. We just, you know, we wanted to uh, do right by him and sign him to a contract and we didn't want to stick him with that fifth year option. That's, that's all silly. It's not, it's not accurate. I mean, they acted not only by not picking him up by starting him in that first preseason game, by drafting two running backs, by signing other veteran running backs. Also like they, every action that they had uh, screamed that they were not interested in signing a running back to a long-term deal, especially a running back four years into the league. So, um, they, they will change that because I think that they will actively work to sign him. I think he wants a long-term deal with, uh, with some guarantees. I think the team would probably prefer a shorter term deal. Um, that's why the tag is out there. If, if they have to use it, they will. Uh, but I don't think at this point, after they've seen what Josh Jacobs did for a year, what he means for the team, uh, the toughness that he has, what he brings to the locker room, everything else. I don't think that they'd they'd move on from him without a big fight. So um, if some team comes in aggressively, you know, and tries to to figure something out with Josh Jacobs, we'll see if if that changes the plan. But I think the Raiders' plan right now, uh, if if you ask them what a perfect offseason involved, it would be locking up Josh Jacobs somehow, uh, either short term or long term, and uh, probably somewhat of a team friendly deal because it's a running back. But at the same time, you know, I think they want to have Josh Jacobs around, and he said. You know, I, I wouldn't have said this if I were him. And I certainly think his agent probably cringed when he said it to us, but he said he doesn't care about money. He's, he's invested very, very well. He's made a lot of money outside of football, uh, according to him. So he said the money isn't the most important thing to him. So uh, I, I think that's probably going to change at the negotiating table, but uh, that is out there for him. <laughs> that's yeah. something that he said. If I'm the agent. I'm like, oh, man, I'm on the phone with him that night. Yeah. Saying, let's back off those things. Let's 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 uh, hold the breath on that. Love, love you, Josh, but stop it. And again, you know, Josh yeah. Jacobs. And again, part of what he said there is, I don't care about money. I've made a lot of money, and uh, you know, I grew up homeless, uh, which is right. you know, which is accurate. And it's understandable, but um, it's still it's it's this is time to get paid. This for a running back, this first contract after the rookie contract. Uh, while you know he did he did very well on his rookie deal. Uh, because he was a first-round pick, but uh, this first big contract sometimes is the only contract a running back gets, so he has to take yeah. full advantage of it right now. 
Yep. Uh, you write for tomorrow. We're, we're having this on a, uh, we're taping this on Friday. Saturday's paper will have a story in by you on the draft. It's kind of your first uh, dive into the draft as you kind of do your mock drafts. This isn't a mock, but kind of dive into what the Raiders uh, could be looking at um, with the seventh overall pick in the draft. You put out a lot of um, different, uh, different positions. Um, I, I think it, it doesn't do, don't they have to figure out first what they're going to do a quarterback before any of this other stuff kind of comes to fruition? Yeah, I think so, um, for sure. But, I, you know, I think right now you're looking at it as what is the plan for the offseason? What, what what would the Raiders ideally do? And, uh, by the way, I know uh, one of the, the contract guys uh, over at PFF who does a lot of work on uh, contracts and, and off-seasons and free agency and all that kind of thing and uh, where it relates to the production that you've got out of some of the money. He does a really good job with some of that stuff. Just put out um, basically a list that, yeah. of – of who's in the best position yeah. uh, going into the off season in terms of not only draft capital, but also salary cap space uh, and guys under contract and the combination of all of those. And uh, the Raiders are like the fourth best position team this off season uh, in terms of, you know, making moves and, and acquiring players and um, really having the assets both in draft capital and salary cap space to, to do a whole lot. So um, I think that's encouraging for a team that really wants to take a step forward. Uh, but, if you ask about what the ideal offseason is, I think it's signing one of the, I'll say three potential quarterbacks, but really it's two between Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo potentially being the top targets uh, for the Raiders. I think there is a a weird kind of outside, uh, you know, outside the box thoughts of, of Aaron Rodgers, but I actually kind of think Aaron Rodgers is going to retire. Um, really? So we'll you think he's that... leaving? You think he's leaving 50 plus on the table? Kind of because that, I mean, that, first of all, that is the kind of thing that he would do. Um, but he also has, he, he has really, and I watch, you know, I watch his, uh, his interview with Pat McAfee every single week. I think it's really, really insightful. And a lot of, you know, I don't always agree with a lot of stuff Aaron Rodgers says, but I think it's insightful to get into his mind a little bit uh, of a football player, especially somebody who thinks very differently than a lot of people do. Um, he really seemed to be affected uh, by like a lot of people were by uh, the Dar Hamlin situation. And, and I know some of what he said was just like, at what point, at what point is it enough? And you start thinking about when you're 60, not when you're 34, right, uh, right. 35, whatever. And, and uh, he, it's one of those things that when it happens at the end of the year and it happens, you know, followed by a really disappointing exit from the season and not your best effort um, as a player, a lot of those things could add up. So I think there's a possibility he walks away. Uh, so we'll see, we'll monitor how that situation goes, which could, uh, you know, throw another wrinkle into uh, the potential quarterback market. But um, I think he's a possibility, but I, I think it's a super long shot. So I think it's, it's Brady and Garoppolo are the two targets. And if you don't get one of those guys, say Brady quits too. I mean, who knows? Um, then you do start changing. Maybe you do start getting into the market for a quarterback in the first round. But I don't think right now, if you asked, uh, the front office and, and Josh McDaniels and, and Dave Ziegler and, and guys like that. Uh, I don't think that quarterback with that seven selection is on the table right now, but I think that could obviously change uh, with a lot of, a lot of moving pieces here leading up to the draft. So then you start to look where, where could they look um, on the offensive side of the ball? If you're, if you're Dave Ziegler and you, let's say they get Brady and Brady's the quarterback and I don't know, maybe Stidham's the backup, you know, whatever. And maybe, Later rounds, they pick up a kid in the fourth or fifth round. You know, they think he has some ability to come in and learn. 
Um, you're Dave Ziegler right now on the 13th of um, January. Long, long way to go. But what's your first mindset going to be at? Offensive line, um, defensive line, corner? I mean, like you, you have to make the pick today. You're Dave Ziegler and you're on the clock. Where do you go? So, again, I think everything rotates around what they do at quarterback. So I think, first of all, if you're saying, okay, you're going to bring in Tom Brady, I think then you have to address offensive line. I think that's where you go. So I would look at, uh, at, at an offensive tackle at that seventh, that seventh selection. If I had a guy like Brady, uh, there also is the possibility that I don't think a lot of people talk about it, but wide receiver would be really interesting too, because everybody says, Oh, you have Devontae Adams, you have Hunter Renfro, you've got Waller at tight end, you got all these weapons, but Matt, as good as Matt Collins was for the team and as, as um, interesting of a person as he is, like I don't look at him as a legit compliment to those guys. But if you got a big receiver who could who could really take some attention off, really be a focus in the red zone as well, uh, get downfield and make plays, and I think somebody with size especially is a way to look. So I think Quentin Johnston is a really interesting player from TCU who would fit really, really well with the offense and provide another weapon uh, and, and again, investing in the offense, I don't think is uh, necessarily a thrill for people right now because they've got so much invested in the offense already and they need to go defense. But man, if you solidify that offense with another weapon on the other side that had some size, I think that would be very, very intriguing for this team. Uh, offensive tackle as well. Uh, that's another position because I think they've got guys like, you know, I, I know uh, Jermaine Illuminor had a pretty good season. Uh, right. But I also think he could possibly move to guard. And I think you can help solidify inside there with a couple of you know pieces like Dylan Parham could play guard or center uh, with with Andre James there. You got uh, Thera Munford, who was starting to develop a little bit, but I don't know is ready to play uh, every down uh, as, a, as a tackle either. Uh, you've got other, you know, Luminor can move inside if you re-signed him. I think you've got pieces that you can move around, but if you really solidified the other offensive tackle position uh, with a, you know, top prospect and then have, have some of these other pieces that are developing and have them be able to move around on the interior because the interior is where you really struggled this year. I think that would be really helpful for the offense as well. So offensive tackle, big wide receiver are the only two things I would think about on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I think you can pretty much, pretty much go anywhere. Defensive tackle, like a game-changing type defensive tackle. We saw what, what, what Tillery brought at the end of the year and really solidified their run defense a little bit. Um, but a, like a game-breaking type defensive tackle uh, in the middle would be, you know, really, really interesting for this team and really, I think, open up Max Crosby, potentially, um, you know, Chandler Jones on the other side. You know, he invested a lot, didn't get a whole lot of production necessarily out of him, but uh, something like that could open him up a little bit. I also don't think it would be crazy to think about an edge rusher because you already have Crosby, you've already signed Jones, but you know another guy that can just get after the quarterback and, and really give you some options in terms of lining up multiple guys that can get to the quarterback uh, every down, especially on passing downs, that would be intriguing. But I think defensive tackle is number one uh, priority to me if there is one there uh, that, that you could pick at number seven. And then cornerback is always an area of need for every team. I don't think you can ever have enough good corners, but certainly this team needs another uh, elite player at that position uh, to really help solidify what, what they're doing defensively. Uh, so I think corner defensive tackle would be the two spots to look. Yes. Linebacker is absolutely an area of need um, and, and a younger, you know, safety uh, to come along after, you know, Deron Harmon uh, moves on, but 
um, all those things are, are areas of need. I think there's plenty of needs all over the field, but to me, it's corner or defensive tackle uh, would be where you would look defensively at that spot because linebacker is not a, a position I would address in the top 10 of the draft. When does your first uh, mock draft come out? We'll see. I mean, this is like the kind of the seventh or not seventh, soon like the fourth breakdown uh, of just, you know, where they could go depending on where they are in the draft. But the first one, since we knew that they were going to pick seventh. Um, and then as we start to move through a little bit, probably right around the Super Bowl, I would think would be okay. uh, the first mo- actual mock draft. All right. People are going to want to look for that. Um, Adam does a great job on his weekly mock drafts. It's not an easy thing to do. Watches a ton of film and it puts those mock drafts uh, together. Um, any, any last thoughts on being the sports writer of the year? Uh, yeah, if I get 11 more, then I can I can talk about okay. it and tie you. Okay, all right, buddy. Congratulations. Uh, we're going to keep breaking this down uh, week to week as Adam gets forward to the mock draft, and uh, we see if the Raiders make a move with that seventh pick or, or hold on to it. Uh, and also the Derek Carr situation. We're going to keep a close eye on that for, for everybody out there. Follow all our coverage at reviewjournal.com uh, where uh, Adam and Vinny have daily stories on the team and what's happening into the offseason. There's just as much news in the offseason, it seems like, with this team as there will be in the regular season. So keep an eye on that. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsportsmanlike Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casinos ST and Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. Remember, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $100 on your first deposit.